0: Hey, this is Omar Hassan, and you're listening to Talkin' Schmidt. May 28th, 2019, Talkin' Schmidt, episode 22. Hope y'all had a good Memorial Day weekend. Personally, I did my first ever Memorial over Memorial Day weekend for the legendary Jake Phelps. It was a great day out at McLaren Park at the... uh, amphitheater known as Jerry Garcia. Arco was MC. We had some great speeches from Gon's, Carol, Cardiel, Tony V, Burn Dog, etc. Um it was really good, man. missed Jake a lot obviously, but uh hopefully that helped um all of us. Uh, I got caught up with Ronald, not Donald. Shout out to the Dirty Pigeon. Shout out. He's going to come on to the show and give his side of the story to that big hungry fight when he gets back from Copenhagen. So we'll look forward to that. And uh, big shout out to the Crocker kids for holding it down. They got the whole crew up there, started chanting Jake's name, and Fatty got into it, and Peabody got everybody. Man, it it was a good one. Real good one jake would be proud anyway without further ado i'm gonna hand the mic over to mr archimedes give you guys a little taste of what happened at the memorial before we dive into episode 22 with christian svitak thanks again for all your support guys take care all right
1: we're uh we're gonna get this started here just want to welcome everyone you know ladies and gentlemen Boys and girls of all ages, welcome to pay tribute and honor a great man of James Kendall Phelps. Right there, this fucking guy right here. You gotta fucking recognize this man right here. So, Introduction with Justin Figgy
0: Figaro. We all know it. No one lived like he did. Soak up the
1: energy, Jake, you know what I'm saying, like...
0: We're doing the Lord's work.
1: Oh, el loquito. Now I know who you're talking about. On my mother's grave, we all love you, bro.
0: I mean, Jake was a philosopher of uh, bullshit.
1: Once I got a dose of Jake, I just, I never wanted to leave his orbit. I thought he said from the A. I didn't hear it. he said from the B.
0: Motherfucking Pablo Jordy. <laughs> Man, you didn't see the shit we saw at that skate court. Jake!
1: Jake! Motherfucker! You Dead! motherfucker! he good guy. Oh. Uh, oh, oh. Uh, uh,
0: but uh, 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 bu- uh, this is kinda real right here. Just give it the old cars try right here. Oh big dog's in. Smitty. What do you think, Smitty? 96 times Smitty. Talking Schmidt.
1: He's so fucking busy oh me
0: oh my oh i'm in cleveland ohio running around with my rack top down shout out to jillian welch shout out well i'm pretty sure i met my next guest here at the midway point of king of the road out in milwaukee back in 2007 uh we might learn different but i'm pretty sure that's where i got to know him at least we might have seen him around but i'm here in cleveland ohio and i got a little time to catch up with christian svitak what's up man what's up (laughs) (laughs) we're here in your town yeah um it's been a while since i've seen you i think yeah what's been going on
1: Man, I don't You moved back here, uh, huh? Yeah. So we just moved back here. Me, and my wife, and my two daughters. We moved here December 1st. So we've been here like, I don't know, four months. And um, yeah, so we're just. You were born and raised here? Born and raised here. Um, moved away to San Diego in 98. So I've been there for like over 21 years. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, we just wanted to bring our girls back here to raise them closer to family, at least for a little while. I don't know if it's going to be forever. So, um, we rented our house out down in San Diego and we're going to stay here for a while and we're just going to kind of take it year by year, you know, like every year we'll reevaluate and if, if we like it, we'll keep staying. And if the cold weather just gets on our nerves and the gray skies gets on our nerves and we'll, we'll head back to San Diego, you know? So nice. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, do you think that that's correct? Is, Is that your recollection? We met at that King of the Road Midway
1: or I don't. I don't know. I, th- I think, but at the same time, I don't know. I, I thought we met like Might have been a long earlier. years before that. But the thing I
0: remember about that is, Jake and I went out there, and it was the midway point, and so we picked up the mystery guest. And that year, the theme was, it was like Black Label. So Black Label had an OG guy that used to be on Black Label as the mystery guest, and each team did the same thing. Um, so Christian came in for black label jake and i went to pick him up and with king of the road obviously the idea is to pack light live large but the next guy that came in was daniel haney and he had this huge bag like you've never seen a bag this big and you're like what the fuck are you doing and he's like hey they said i could bring anything so i brought a parachute (laughs) because <laughs> the dude just got into skydiving, and so his thing was like, before we get out on the roads, these guys are taking me skydiving. Oh my god, I didn't <laughs> I know that. that. Yeah, so that was pretty funny. Wow. Um, let's go back like to childhood days and like how'd you get into skateboarding what was your first skateboard
1: do you remember yeah so i my first skateboard my grandma bought it for me it was a nash a pink nash nightmare which Mm. i still have but it was like this is the mid 80s and i didn't know anything about skating but the I just saw skateboards and I, I think I saw some kids in the neighborhood with some other toy store boards uh-huh. and there was just something about it that just seemed intriguing to me but I didn't I didn't know there was a whole culture uh, out there and then it was um, fast forward to 1988 like spring of 88 um kid down my street was throwing away a, an old Volterra skate zombie in his garbage. Okay. duct tape on it and stuff. It was really bad. I saw it and I was like, no way. So I took it out of his garbage can. I sanded it and painted it up. And it, I thought it looked super sweet. It was like neon green and neon pink grip tape I got on there from, okay. the, from the local bike shop. Oh, and I think at this point the local bike shop started carrying like, you know, some Powell's and Santa Cruz and Sims and Visions. So I, I started to see like, oh, wow, there's like... There's, like, these really fancy boards out there that I still didn't understand, but it was beyond, like, Toys R Us. You know right. I mean? So I was um, – I had my cool Volterra skate zombie and I was walking around um, this thing called Home Days, which is, like, where the carnival comes through town every year. You know, We had Hometown Days. Yeah. So <laughs> I was walking through there, and it was this table of guys um, sitting there, and they all, they all were, like, 19, 20 years old. I was 13 at the time. And they all had, like, like one dude had a mohawk. The other guy was, like, a full metal head. Like, they all just had this look about them, like, mm-hmm. fingerless leather gloves and yep. whatnot. And one of them recognized me. He was an uh, older guy that lived up the street. He's like, hey, Svitek, come here. And I, So I go up to this table of these guys, and they were super intimidating. They were just looking me up and down. And I even had, like, the, the total 80s, like, skate punk haircut you know the bangs coming down shaved on one side i didn't know like what that meant i just i think i saw a picture of a bmx guy in a magazine with that (laughs) haircut so i got it and so they're looking me up and down and like looking at my cheat board and asking me these questions i had no answers to and i thought they were vibing me out but then they were like you want to go skating with with us i was like yeah all right so We then proceeded to go down left home days to go to this church down the street and on our way there um, They started like jumping up on like the city trash cans and like jumping off of them and Doing bonelesses and all this shit and I it was the most wild Just Radical aggressive thing I've ever seen like these guys doing this stuff. I didn't know that you could do that on a skateboard So I was like, oh my god we get to the church parking lot, and they just start doing like street plants and bonelesses and fast plants. And I just sat there and was blown away. Then they taught me how to do a boneless. They taught me how to do a boneless and like this really kind of like generic version of a street plant. It's kind of like more like a freestyle move or something like a handstandy type move. Uh huh. They taught me how to do those first two tricks. Then they went over and huddled in the corner. Oh, and by the way, these guys had a team that was it was called Team Insanity. Yes. Right. They all had Team Insanity on their grip tape. They all had nicknames. It was Tweaky, Psycho, Demo, <laughs> Mad. Yeah, they all had nicknames. <laughs> and so they were huddling in their corner, and then they turned to me like, hey, like, you want to be on Team Insanity? <laughs> and I was like, uh, I guess so. <laughs> and they are like, no, you either do or you don't. And I was like, oh, shit. I was like, I do, I do. I want to be on Team Insanity. Yeah. So they were like, all right. Well, if you're going to be on Team Insanity, you have to have a nickname. And I was like, okay. And they are like, well, we like your hairdo, so you're Dew. So that was my nickname, Dew. <laughs> oh. And they spelled it D-E-W. Okay. So they immediately like put Team Insanity on my grip tape, wrote Dew on there, and then that was it. Like, oh. And so then that was also my introduction to punk rock because... They put me on Team Insanity. Okay. And then they gave me a copy of the Dead Milkman, Bucky Fellini album. Sick. And they are like, go home and listen to this. So I went home and listened to that. De- I took my Kiss tape out. Was of that and Camaro on there? Uh, no, that was on Big Lizard in my backyard. Oh, uh, okay. But um, I put that tape in and was like blown away. I like made my mom listen to it. Wow. Like, listen to this, mom. This is crazy music. <laughs> and I just was so like, oh uh, man, I just get so excited thinking about those times. But that was my introduction to skateboarding And punk rock, and it all happened July second, nineteen eighty eight. I still remember the date. That's
0: amazing, yeah, dude. Some people remember the date, like, and that's so special because I don't have the date for myself, but like, I really, uh, I get hyped when people are like, "Oh yeah, July," you know, like that exact year, exact date. Remember the situation? Yeah, that was my next question though. Was going to be did music and skating come together, or did one lead into the other? No, that's kind of how it was for us too. It was like. For us, it was kind of like the punk rock situation where it was like, all these dudes suck. Let's rebel against them. We don't want to be. And then skateboarding somehow was kind of in that same vein where it was like, nobody wanted to skateboard. So it was cool. yeah That's what we wanted to do. But, uh, yeah, so that was kind of one of the first bands for you. Like, do you remember your first vinyl or, or, or cassette or whatever you were well, getting I, back then?
1: Yeah, it was heavy cassettes. And actually my whole first, you know, I, I listened to Kiss religiously from the time I was an infant because my older brother had all the Kiss albums. Right. So Kiss was my favorite all the way up until, you know, I was listening to Kiss albums and playing with G.I. Joe and Star Wars until the day I met Team Insanity. Oh. And that day <laughs> I dropped all that other shit. And I, it was all cassettes. So from those guys, I also met some older punk rock guys. I started getting introduced to this world, and I literally used to. My one one friend, his older brother, had an extensive punk rock um, record collection, and I would go over his house every day. I would, get, my mom would buy me generic. Uh, blank cassettes from like Gold Circle or Zayers or wherever uh-huh. <coughs> and I would take those tapes over to my buddy's house and I would just copy all these punk rock records so the Dead Milk one was like my first but after that quickly came Uh, Just off the top of my head, you know, like misfits, sex pistols, suicidal tendencies, you know, everything like that. And it's the whole music thing, how this is, I try to explain to people how intertwined it is with me with skateboarding. Because for me, it happened on the same day. So to me, it was like skateboarding is punk rock and punk rock is skateboarding. That's just how it was for me. Uh And when you skated that's the music you listened to because it was aggressive and like, you, therefore you skated aggressive, like yep. you know? And so I remember as I started getting deeper into it, this is how intertwined I thought it was. When I started getting deeper into it, I remember talking to my friend's older brother and I was just like, I assumed that all punk rock bands rode skateboards. I assumed that they all were skaters right. and vice versa, all skaters listened yeah. to punk rock. And, like, I remember, and he was just like, no, man, they don't, like, I remember, like, I think, like, the exploited was coming to town, and I just assumed, like, I assumed that, like, Waddy from the exploited would be, like, skating downtown somewhere, yeah. right? And he was like, no, man, like, I don't think they skate, and I was like, so we, I remember having this conversation, I was like, so, the Sex Pistols, like, Johnny Rotten and, and Sid Vicious, like, they weren't skaters? <laughs> and they were like, no, they weren't skaters, and I was so blown away by that i, I could not comprehend right. that like you know johnny rotten or or um uh joe strummer mm-hmm. were not skateboarders i i just thought that's how it was you know
0: even some of the skate rock bands, i was just like wait they don't all skate yeah I, like one guy skates maybe yeah. sometimes and you'd be like oh yeah
1: and then and then i started meeting other local skaters in the area and I had some good friends that were skaters that were like, they, they, all, they were like on the hockey team and stuff. And they listened to like rap or like, they listened to like guns and roses and, and like heavy metal, like yeah. battle bands. And I just was like, what? Like I didn't get it. I didn't understand. I just could not understand that. But yeah, it's just, it's funny how that all is when you're a kid like that, trying to like f- figure it all out, you know?
0: Yeah. What was your first tattoo?
1: Uh, first tattoo is on my wrist. This is it right here. Um, it was, uh, the T, the TI for Team Insanity and the Black Label Elephant. Wow. What year was that? That was the year I turned pro. It was 19, I turned pro in 1999. I never had a tattoo, but when I, when Lucero turned me pro, pro for Black Label, I was like, dude, I need to, I need to get a tattoo for like, this guy's turning me pro. Right. So I kind of got like the, I wanted it to be like, you know, It was out of all my tattoos, they're all stupid, but like that was the only like thought out one where I was like, I want to get the Ti for Team Insanity because that's like my roots, where I'm from. You know what I mean? You never forget where you're from. Yeah. And then. And that was '88. That was '88.
0: '99 is when you got the tattoo.
1: Yeah, and then '99 I turned pro. So then that was like turning pro for me, a kid from Cleveland. That was like the childhood dream of like, holy shit, super sick. Yeah.
0: I guess my question is, in 99, were you still in contact with anyone from TI? Oh, yeah. Dude, we're still in contact. Still now. I,
1: I just had lunch with Psycho the other day. <laughs> How cool. Yeah. yeah. Well,
0: most of those guys are still in Cleveland?
1: Yeah. They're they're all in Cleveland. Sure. And um, we all still keep in touch. We hang out. Now, those guys don't skate anymore. Mm-hmm. They're all probably... i sure they're all having like their 50th birthday around now. They have been and they are coming up. But, yeah, they all they don't skate anymore but they have all been massive like supporters of me like Mm -hmm. my whole career like those guys yeah man they just i've always put like snuck like ti on on some of my pro models and stuff like that like they've got my pro models hanging up and that's um, radical yeah like anytime there was like a demo that came through town or The Vans Triple Crown crown Contest would come through. Those guys would come out full support. You know, those, those are the guys that taught me how to skate when I was a little kid. And they have just like they've always been like my just such huge supporters when, you know, things started to work out for me on a pro level, you know.
0: How did the whole black label thing work? Did you send in a um, sponsor me tape or did
1: you meet John and the tour out here? or How'd that work out? As a combination of things. And I, I love this story too. <laughs> so I first got sponsored by a company called invisible, which was Dave Bergetholtz yep. company. It was like a, a brother company to blockhead. Uh-huh. And I got sponsored by them by sending sponsor me videos. I used to, you know, I lived in Cleveland. I used to work downtown Cleveland right out of high school and I just started, I got a camera and started making tapes. I wasn't even trying to get sponsored at that time. There were so many little East Coast companies that I thought I, cause I knew other people around the state of Ohio that like would get boards from like some, you know, some little East Coast company. And I was like, well, shoot, I wonder if I make a video, someone will send me a board. And it kind of started like that. Mm-hmm. And so I would start making these videos and send them out. And I, you know, I would get a board from Shaftwood. Mm-hmm. Remember them? Shaft. Yeah. I got a, I don't know who else I got uh, some boards from, but then Laban Fideus from Invisible. Uh Uh-huh. He called me. I know this is straying off the black label question, but it's all part of the the larger story. Laban. Shout out to Laban. Shout out. Oh, I love Laban. So (laughs) I was eating dinner with my mom and dad, working full time here in Cleveland, and the phone rings, and it's, he's like, hey, is Christian there? And I was like, this is. He's like, this is is Laban Fideus. And I seriously thought, I was like, dude, shut up, man. I thought it was one of my friends. Like, I I've never talked to a pro skater before. And he was one of my favorites because he could ollie big gaps. So I was like, holy shit, dude. Like, he's, holy shit, you know. So he was just like, yeah, man, I got your video. I loved it. And by the way, this first video I ever sent out was 20 minutes long. <laughs> because I thought in my mind that anybody wanting to see me skate, I have to show how I really skate. It can't just be... In my mind I was like I can't just send like a 2 minute video of like you know my perfect best tricks. It's got to be it's got to really show like how I skate, everything I skate. Uh-huh. So I sent out a 20 minute video. Whoa. So he was like, "Dude, I love your video. I'm going to send you a board and some wheels and a shirt and I want you to keep filming and every time you send me a video, I'll send you some more stuff." He's like, "But my my advice is from here. <laughs> Don't make any more 20-minute videos. Just keep it to two minutes. And I was <laughs> like, okay. Yeah. So, I, so that led into me getting on Invisible Flow, then ended up getting me onto Invisible as an amateur on the team and getting ads and going on tour, which led to me moving to San Diego to further that. Mm-hmm. So I moved to San Diego. They gave me a job in the Climax warehouse, which was Invisible, Tracker Trucks, and... Um, i don't know whatever else they orion trucks whatever else they did there i lived and worked in the warehouse but then at the end of 98 they pulled the plug on invisible so here i am i was like well i guess my skateboard dream is over i'm gonna go back to ohio and get my old printing job back and that was that was fun yeah (laughs) well so i was riding an old invisible board and they were gone and um it just so happened that mike valily and matt hensley had just gotten on Black Label, which, back it up, Black Label was always my favorite skateboard company since it started. Oh, Black Label was hugely supported in Cleveland by a local um, bike shop called Schneider's Bike Shop, and Ken Schneider was just a rad guy, that um, there was a lot of older Cleveland skaters that used to go out to Huntington Beach in the 80s, so they were friends with Grosso, Ricky Barnes, um, Lucero. So when they would come back to Cleveland, they would tell Ken Schneider, hey, you need to carry Black Label. So as a kid here, I just thought Black Label was the best. I always rode Black Label boards, sweatshirts, hats, T-shirts, I always got Lucero's ads like as a kid in high school when I would see those Black Label ads he'd always put in this like like he ran a sequence once of someone doing a trick and he just ran black boxes <laughs> and just described what the trick was. And as like a 16-year-old kid I just thought that was the greatest thing ever. Uh, yeah. So anyways, Black Label was my favorite. Growing up uh Vallely and Hensley were always my two top favorite skaters. They got on Black Label and I was like, "Oh my god, that's like the most amazing thing ever." Well, then all of a sudden I see a flyer that they're doing a demo at a skate shop in Solana Beach down in San Diego. Uh So I'm like, I got to go to this, man. I got to, I want to meet these guys. So I went and it was literally like just this crappy little demo behind a skate shop and I got the courage to go up to Mike and Matt and it just like total fanboy was like, hey man, I just, I wanted to say hi you know, I'm I'm from Cleveland and I'm living out here. I was writing for Invisible, but they got the plug pulled on it. So I'm whatever. And I just, you know, whatever. I just fanned out on them and just told them how whatever great they were. Yeah. And how sick it was that I thought they were on Black Label. So then they they kept talking to me and like, you know, they treated me like, you know, I'm like a normal human being. And they, they talked to me and were very nice. And they were like, hey, why don't you skate this demo with us? So I was like, oh, all right. (laughs) So here I am skating the demo with like my two favorite skaters growing up. And afterwards they said, hey, um, do you have a video? Or somehow it came up. And I said, yeah. And they were like, you should send it to Lucero. So I was like, okay. They were like, so they gave me Lucero's address, his number. And they were like, send this video to him and follow up. Like this could go somewhere. So I was like, all right. Keep it to two minutes. (laughs) <laughs> yeah yeah, it. So I sent this video to Lucero. I ended up calling Lucero and in the climax warehouse, I remember as I was living there under a desk, I remember being on the phone and I, I'd always use their phone for long distance. This is before cell phones. Mm. So I would you know rack up Larry Balma's cell phone or long distance bill. Thank you, Larry. And uh <laughs> me and Lucero talked on the phone. The first time I ever talked to Lucero, we talked on the phone for like two hours. I had so much knowledge about all the black label history and so John told me, he's like, Yeah, man, watch your video, it was a great video, man. You're ready to do a wall and it was fucking hot, man. <laughs> That's That's so good, awesome, man. Good impression. Shout out to Lucero. Shout out. Oh yeah, for sure. And then he then told me that like before even seeing the video that, you know, Mike and Matt had I guess had t- you know told him like, hey, we met this kid Christian. Like you should, uh, you should put him on black label or whatever. Sick. So, there you have it. Lucero, you know, was like, yeah, man, come on up, to get aboard. I want to be. What here. was the team like back then? Who was who were who was on the roster? Oh, dude, it was so good. So I was the first like new young guy Lucero always referred to me as being like the first of like the new generation. So this was before, you know, like uh you know, Gilly and Ragdoll and Melcher and everybody came along. So it, it but was after Cardiel and Upson? After no, Upson was still there. Oh. God Upson was so good, man. Yeah. He still is. I haven't seen him in a long time, but I'm sure he's still so good. But it was Valerie, Hensley, Upson, Brian Sieber. Oh sick. Yeah. Jim Gagney, Neil Hendrix, wow, Jeff Grosso, John Lucero, and I—I I feel like that was it when I got on. So pretty heavy, Jason. Oh, Jake. I'm sorry, that? Jason. How can I forget Jason and Jason Adams? Okay. So I got on the week before Halloween, 1998, mm-hmm. and then we did the first ever Black Label tour. Uh, Spring 99. Wow. And it was, dude, so I was in a van with all those guys minus Matt. Matt wasn't on that tour, and Hendrix wasn't on that tour. But everyone else was. (sighs) Yeah, seeing, dude, ups and I just, yeah.
0: And that's how you you make it or don't make it pretty much that first van ride is pretty crucial oh yeah man. it's like first impressions go a long way and yeah if you're the kid that can't handle it they're like no nope, yeah not coming again yeah so th- was, that's a lot of pressure with like some of your favorite dudes
1: too you're just like fuck i can't kook it it was so <laughs> it was so much pressure and what i can take away from that tour it was so much pressure for me number one Mike Valley, he was also the tour manager at the time. He drove the van. He led the tour, oh, and wow. that—if you've ever done a tour with Mike, it's like it's fucking, dude. You you do it. You <laughs> Boot don't. Camp. Oh yeah, man. And it's <laughs> but that and it's rad though because that has carried with me through my whole career. So when I do a skateboard tour, there's al- I always revert back to that. Like there's a certain way you do a tour, and it's like when you show up at a place, it don't matter how tired you are, how hungry you are you are. Yeah. You man yeah like you roll up and you bust and you sign every autograph and you shake every hand and you don't complain you know that's so there was that level of like I got to keep up with Mike V mm-hmm. and like I got to prove to him like I can tour I can throw down right and then at the same time I'm sitting in the back with <laughs> with Upson and Siever and Gagne and the entire time <laughs> I'm still trying to I think like gagney was trying to like figure me out you know gagney's like you know, he's this east coast he's man's man you know what I mean? <laughs> and i'm just like this dork straight edge kid like i have never i don't drink i don't smoke i don't do drugs and gagney's just trying to figure out like who is this goon <laughs> you know and the whole time upson is trying to get me upson's trying to get me to agitate gagney <laughs> So Gagney will punch me in the face. Oh, fucking button pusher. Yeah, so he was being the button pusher. and it, I don't know. It I, I never got punched in the face, but it was great, man. Who did you end up um, rooming with mostly back then? I don't remember, but I would just probably say it, it ended up coming down to I ended up spending a lot of time with Mike. Me and Mike have become, I mean, him and I have been pretty much best friends for the past 21 years me and Mike have been really close ever since that first tour me and Jason Adams have always been really close mm-hmm. ever since and um shortly after that tour me and Gagney became really close oh and me and Gagney actually did like a I went out and stayed with him in Massachusetts and we filmed for Label Kills together and then did like a two-man tour nice just me and Gagney, and that was uh not to sound cheesy but I think that was I always feel like that was mine and Gagny's like bonding moment so looking back on that, like those guys, I've I I really we all grown really close to each other, you know. Sick. Yeah.
0: Who are some uh, names that came out of this Cleveland area that people would know? Like uh, CJ, obviously.
1: Yes, Cyril Jackson, I, CJ, him. He's the. The hot young guy, he's out of here. He's kind of out of here slash uh, Bakersfield, right, I think. Born in Bakersfield. Born in Bakersfield. I think he's got his grandma out there. Is GSD from out here? So GSD is from southern Ohio more. Like Cincinnati? I think GSD is somewhere from down there. So here's the Cleveland guys. The Cleveland guys would be that I can think of. I could be wrong. Myself, Brad Stabus from here. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Brad, oh, you got any stable stories? Oh god, dude, I got <laughs> I got lots of stable stories, fun stories. Um, is he younger than you or same yeah, age? Yeah, I used to babysit him. <laughs> no way. Yes, I yes. used to I used to babysit Brad. So Brad is from like uh, a city just not far from here called Lakewood. It's actually right down the road. Oh yeah, I saw the signs. He's from Lakewood and when he was in middle school his mom moved to my neighborhood. Oh, here's my introduction to Brad. It's so it's so classic. Black Label's my favorite company, right? Me and my friends <laughs> Brad Stava moves moves to Garfield Heights and we hear rumors from the younger skaters that there's this new kid in their school that says he's sponsored by Black Label. Oh. And me and my friends were like, we're going to kill this kid. <laughs> oh. He's not sponsored. This kid, there's no kid here sponsored by Black Label. We thought it was like <laughs> I don't know what we're thinking. We're like thinking it's like dishonorable to like say you're sponsored by Black Label or oh, something. Okay. I don't know. So we're going to beat up this like 12-year-old, right? I don't yeah. know. Yeah. So we finally meet Brad and we love him. We're like, this kid's great. <laughs> yeah. Like, he's such a ball of energy, big goofball, and an amazing skater. Like he was, like I said, Brad was like, I don't know, 11, 12, and he was doing everything that us high school guys were doing, if not more. Okay. Every big gap we'd go to, Brad was there flying down it. Sick. I mean, so anyways, I became really close with Brad and um Shout out to Staba by the way. Shout out. Yeah, man, he he is so good. So yeah, I used to I used to babysit Brad and then right after I got out of high school, his mom moved to Walnut Creek and rest is history. Like he huh. got hooked up with Ron Allen, I think, with Yeah, fun, fun and right. everything took off for him and I was back in Cleveland looking at you know magazines with Brad Staben's checkout and Brad's you know, all the stuff of Brad Staben he got on foundation and I was back here in Cleveland watching little Brad. Did he
0: get on foundation before you got on label?
1: Yeah. yeah. Oh wow. I think he was on foundation before I was even on Invisible. Like he Damn. So anyways, Brad. Brad was always like a great skater very, very early on. So me and Brad, Scott Pizzell, Maple Skateboards. Oh yeah. He's from here. The, okay. Another one, man. I remember Skating with Scott back when we were in high school, and it's an amazing skater. I don't know, uh, Drew Desort. I think he Drew's skates. From here? From, yeah. Oh, cool. Drew, I used Blood to hook, Wizard. Yeah, I used to hook up. When I started 1031, I used to hook up Drew. Drew went on the Blood Wizard, and I used to hook up CJ, and CJ went on to Baker. Right, right. And then. Who else is, I'm trying to think of Cleveland. I, if I don't say everybody, I'm going to get in big trouble. <laughs> I think that's it. I'm sorry if I'm forgetting anybody. But then Ohio, let's go bigger. Yeah. The whole state. We got Dave Coyne. Okay. Which he, Maple Skateboards, he was more from, I think he might have been morphed by like the West Virginia border, but he went to college in Akron, I think. Uh-huh. Chad Knight, Columbus. Oh, Chad um, Michael Knight. Yep. Also, x 1031 team rider. Yep. Also, Cayman Island uh, destroyer. Cayman Island destroyer <laughs> for sure. Uh, Mark Heinsman is from Dayton, I think. Rob Dierdick is from Dayton. Oh yeah. Oh man, there's somebody else from Columbus I'm missing. I could be wrong, but wasn't it Roscop from Ohio? Maybe. I'm, I I'm don't know. I don't and that would have been way before yeah. my time, but I thought I heard that Roscott was from Ohio originally. Huh. I could be wrong. I know Patrick
0: O'Dell's from Columbus. Yes, he's from Columbus. And Angela Bootwright, my friend, she she's from up there too. Well hold on, let's take a break and get a word from our friends and we'll be right back.
1: Hi, this is David Gravett, and you're listening to Talkin' Schmidt. Hey, it's Corey at Blue Plate, 3218 Mission Street. Come see us.
0: Meatloaf, fried chicken, deviled eggs, dollar Olympia beers. We're here every day of the week. We got a garden, and we got smiles on our faces. Come let us make you happy. back. We got Christian Svitek on the program today, kids. I'm in Cleveland. This is my first time here and uh actually enjoying it. It's pretty cold. I came from Phoenix, AM, which was 80 and it's 40 here, so I'll probably be sick in a couple days. Yes, you will. So what's the deal with the Deal
1: Sisters? Oh. How did you meet them? I met I first met Kelly back when I used to live here. She used to do a band called the Kelly Deal 6000 in Cleveland. Yeah, I met her in Cleveland. So her and uh, her sister Kim are from Dayton. Okay. Yeah, they're, they're from Dayton, Ohio. So I was a big Breeders fan, and Breeders broke up, and, and it was sometime before I moved away to California. This was like mid-'90s. Kelly used to do a band called the Kelly Deal 6000. Oh. And then um, she came to Cleveland back then, and I was at the show. <clears throat> I ended up talking to her after the show. And then fast forward years later, I'm in California and I ended up talking with her again after a breeder show in San Diego. I don't know if she remembered me from the show back in the 90s or what, but we started talking. We had mutual friends and Kim knew Neil Blender and Neil Blender's a friend of mine. Oh, so thick. we had talked about that. Oh, rad. And then I was back here once and we became Facebook friends. And then the one day I was just this was years ago. I was visiting my parents and I just, I hit up Kelly and I was like, hey, I'm, I'm in Cleveland. If you and Kim ever want to play music, I'd love to, you know, come down to Dayton. So Kelly hit me back. She's just like, yeah, you, you want to come down tomorrow? <laughs> and I was like, sure, <laughs> you know? Wow. Yeah. So I drove down to Dayton and um, I met her and Kim at their parents' house and we ended up, we actually ended up never playing music. We sat on their back, their parents' back porch. And played board games and talked for hours wow. on their back deck. And then it was like super late at night. And I was like, oh, I guess we're not playing music. But then Kim was less like, hey, you want to go over to my house and see all my breeders stuff? I was like, yeah, let's do that. So wow, then we went over to Kim's house. She doesn't live too far away. And we went down into her basement where she's got all of her all the Breeders Masters, Pixies. I mean, it's all like her zone. Yeah, they just like showed me all like the equipment. And I was like, oh, maybe we're going to play now. But I think it was like too late. And they're like, okay, yeah, it's too late or whatever. So from that moment, it started a friendship. And yeah, from there, you know, we've just been really close friends. I, I, you know, I consider Kelly one of my, you know, one of my best friends. And then uh, I play part-time. Um, her and my friend Mike Montgomery, he lives in Cincinnati. They have a band called R-Ring. And I'm kind of like a part-time drummer. Like when they do tours, you know, they ask me if I'm available and go on tour and drum for them. And I've, I've recorded some drums on some of their songs on their R-Ring album. Sick. And then um, Breeders Touring, um, like Kim hired me to, to drive. I had to drive, which I'll t- talk about stress, man. I There was... Uh, I don't know how many years ago it was, but breeders were doing their 30-year anniversary tour for (laughs) Last Splash. They came to California, and Kim hired me to drive all their band equipment from Los Angeles back to Dayton to her house. Wow. So I drove a truck, a box truck, with all of breeders, like, all their stuff, man. Oh, my God. And I'm just driving cross-country, like, terrified <laughs> like ter- i spent three days of like oh my god dude if i crash this truck i will be like ruining kim and kelly's like everything oh <sighs> it was so stressful but anyways yeah so we've been friends ever since and like um sometimes i'll help out um kyle kyle is their good friend that does all their merch i'll they'll come through california and i'll jump on some dates with them and help do some merch for breeders or whatever. That's and rad. Yeah, in fact, I, I think I'm going down to Kelly's house like next month to She's still in Dayton? Up. Yeah, yeah, they're all down in Dayton. And Oh, both of them? Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. okay. Yeah.
0: Rad. I'm a fan of both those sisters.
1: Yeah. Oh, man. I,
0: I actually went to that tour the oh, last yeah, blast. Oh, yeah, I remember. It was at the Fillmore. I got you on the list yeah, for that. It yeah, it was yeah. so sick. They just played the album like yep. beginning to end and then they covered like a, I think Helter Skelter, some Beatles song that they, was fucked up how amazing it was they cover um uh it's a Beatles song it's um it's the gun warm gun yeah warm yeah Yeah. that's the one and
1: it though their version if you haven't heard it find it it's super good yeah that song it's on um their first album pod oh so they probably played that in like the encore or something
0: yeah that's what it was oh yeah because i I think they did play a lot of pod in the that's what it was yeah Ohio, and, yo. <laughs> yeah. And I will
1: say, you know, one one thing that's just really cool about that is I've always played in punk bands and I've just always played with friends and it's like every song is, you know, one, two, three, four, you know, and we just yeah, you know, we go for it. Right. But it's been it's such a it's so fun uh recording and playing music with Kelly because well her and her sister, they're just they just think about music so differently than I'm used to. Uh-huh. And being in a studio with Kelly, like she'll just like I've just seen her spend hours on like a tiny little part where to me, I'm so used to coming from a world of like, dude, we'll belt out a song like three tries. And that's it. Put it on the album. That sounds great. Right. So it's so cool as like, I'm really, I'm really into music. So it it's just, I really appreciate like that process and wow. watching her go through that process. I'd be too nervous. I'd just be like,
0: yeah, I, I'm not worthy. <laughs> <laughs> um, have you ever played with Hensley?
1: Um, have I ever played with Matt? I don't think I've ever played with Matt. Uh. But my old band, The Heartaches, we used to play at Hensley's Club. Oh, yeah. He had like that San bar Diego. down in San Diego. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah.
0: 1031. It started on Halloween or you were it, you were dressed up in a costume uh, uh, and you started <laughs> thinking about a new company? How did you come up with this?
1: My whole Black Label run was over and that's when I was... Actually, 1031 was going to be a wheel company Oh, back when I was on Black Label. I actually approached Lucero. I was like, hey, do you think I do a wheel company? And he wasn't into it. So anyways.
0: Halloween to your favorite day?
1: Yeah, I was just trying to think of a name for a skateboard company. I was just thinking of things I like. And I really like Halloween. Uh-huh. So I immediately was like thinking of like, "Ah, oh, well, like kind of Danzig kind of, you know, he got Sam Hain. So that was kind of, you know, that was out for a name. And I was just trying to think of like another name for Halloween. Yeah. So then I just, I came up with the date. Uh-huh. and the logo actually comes from a tattoo on Glenn Danzig's arm oh. Glenn Danzig has a tattoo on his arm of a bat with the misfit skull as the head right so when i was thinking of a logo i was like oh dude that would be it like so i i totally ripped that off and came up with a bat with a skull head so that was the logo for 1031
0: did you guys do something trick or treat like have a play on that I don't know. Like, you could add a web series, 1031 web series, trick
1: or treat. We never did do that. You we know. had a lot of Halloween-based stuff, but I don't think we ever did that.
0: Who was the first guy on the team? Chad Knight. Chad Knight. Yeah. Straight off of American Gladiator, or was that pre-American Gladiator? Pre-American
1: Gladiator. I put out an American Gladiator <laughs> board for him. Wow. I got I got a cartoon drawing of him. <laughs> it's so good, dude. <laughs> It's so good. It's a cartoon drawing of him with, like, oversized muscles in, like, the unitard thing, the yeah. the thing he had to wear. And it was all red, white, and blue with stripes and stars on it with two, like, like two model girls, like, hanging off of his legs.
0: What happened with that? Like, how did that even ever happen? Well, so he got... He, he
1: got into wrestling? No. He... He got into getting fit? He met somebody... I don't know where, I don't know if he was like doing an audition for a commercial. I don't know. But somebody <laughs> that has the ins with American Gladiator, because Chad's a pretty buff guy. Yeah. But apparently not buff. He's buff for <laughs> skateboarding, but not buff for like the real world, right? Like real <laughs> men's men, right? right. I, whatever you want to call him. So somebody was just like, hey, I have the ins. I don't know. Some connection with American Gladiator are like, Chad, you should audition to be one of the gladiators. <laughs> So, he was like, really? Like, he never took this serious. You know, yeah. for him, he was just like, what? Like, just a fun, goofy thing to do. So, he auditioned for to be a gladiator, but the the people told him, they're like, you know what? You're not big enough. Like, he wasn't buff enough to be a gladiator, but how would you like to be on the show as a contestant? Okay. So, he was just like, sure. Let's do it. Why not? Let's just do it, you know? And then he got demolished. Demolished, man. <laughs> well, <laughs> they put for all fairness (laughs) to Chad they put him up like the guy he was against was like a firefighter or something there's no way in hell that the show is gonna let the skateboarder beat the firefighter so you can tell that the gladiators like had it out for Chad they just demolished him oh man but it's funny though because Chad was saying he's like dude he's like you know because like I said Chad's a pretty like in shape buff guy and Chad's just like he's like yeah man These gladiators are massive. He's like, they're huge. Yeah. He's like, when I stood next to these guys, like, he's like, there's no contest here. These guys are like gorillas. Yeah. (laughs) Like superhuman. For
0: sure. You know? I know. I remember watching that episode because obviously it was a huge deal. Like skateboarder on network TV or whatever. You're like, what the fuck? Yeah. And then it was kind of (laughs) semi embarrassing for him. But like, yeah, they did put him up against like a way different type of dude. I remember cayman islands we were on a trip down there and 1031 team was there at the same time so we spent a lot of time because it's just a small little island and there's a skate park and that's about it and chad was there and he i think he wasn't drinking and then one night he drank and went off the richter and it was just so hijinks the whole time and the lady at the skate park was bummed, and there was all this stuff going on. But that was like so fun. Like, if you've ever not been to the Cayman, you need to put that on your bucket list because yeah. it's super cool in the Caribbean. But I was going to say, Ben Rayborn and CJ were two guys that came through the 1031 thing, and they were obviously top guns and fucking i mean everyone knows who those guys are now but back then it was like they were ams on 1031 and then when baker took cj went to baker i don't know if they took him necessarily but and ben went to birdhouse how was that
1: did that kind of did 1031 end soon after that or did no we carried on for quite a few years after that uh uh-huh. but it definitely especially when ben left that made it tough mm-hmm. and that was a tough one for me i went into doing my own company like at first i was trying to take like a l- real hard stance on like you know and i was just kind of like going off of like other examples i've seen of other team managers of how they would deal with stuff so i kind of like you know was very protective of trying to keep my guys and and not to mention too like hey i tend to me and my buddy i, I did 1031 with my buddy that Owns Beer City skateboards. Oh and rec- yeah, Beer City Records. Right. Mm-hmm. And um, to I mean we did all we ran that company out of our wallets, man. Like there was I mean that was our money. Like so when we ran Thrasher ads, like that was our money. Like yeah, I spent a lot of money on on doing this. So when Ben left, it was I took that hard. Like I took that really like I don't know. It just wasn't nice. I was just like man, that really sucks. It, but he didn't go to Birdhouse. He went to Slave. Oh that's right. Yeah, you went to slave and then from you went to Birdhouse. Okay. But um, but you know, it was a learning experience for me too because as time went on, I was just like, yeah, you know what though? Ben's a good dude, you know what I mean? He's such a sweet kid and yeah. You know, I think it's a learning it's a learning experience. You know what? This whole thing with skateboarding. Sorry if I'm going off the rail, off the track here, but oh. you know, it, 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 there's always so many people doing so many different things that everybody has opinions for, but as I've gotten older, I realize we're all just like these young people, like getting in, thrown into these situations we never dreamed of, ever thought we'd be in. And everybody is just trying to do their best, their best they can, growing as a person and trying to make the right decisions for themselves. You Absolutely. know what I mean? So, like, I think in retrospect, I was like, yeah, you know, like, so by the time CJ, he got recognized by Andrew and he called me up and he was like, hey, man. I'll never forget this phone call. He's like, dude, he's like, Andrew Reynolds called me up or something like that. I was like, oh, wow. Okay. He's like, dude, I don't know what to do. And already I'm thinking in my head, like, I know what you need to do, you know? (laughs) And uh, he's just like, dude, he's just like, he wants me to, he wants to hook me up with Baker. And by the way, Baker was CJ's favorite company. Uh That was his favorite company. And he's just like, dude, he's like, but I love 1031. I was like, CJ, come on. I mean, come on. You know, so, you know, was like the learning process for me going from Ben, it was just like, dude, come on, man. You know, like I feel like I, I can't, I don't remember what I said, but I, I just feel like at that time when Ben left, I had more of the attitude of like, dude, but you know, why are you doing that? I spent all this money on you. I've been, I've been trying to help you and whatever. But then by the time CJ, that experience rolled around, it was more of like, you know what? This is how it's supposed to be, man. Like, so Ben was the first to leave. Yeah, there may have been somebody like some other AM rider that have left. I don't remember something prior, but as far <coughs> as like you know, my big guys. But yeah, by the time CJ left, it was just like, hey man, you you have to ride for Baker. Like yeah. I can't do anything more for you. Yes, would I love to keep you around forever? Yeah, that'd be great. But you know what, man, It's just not how it is. So you, I think you kind of have to like you you got to find the balance of like trying to do what you can to. To better your business and all that. But also, you have to think of the bigger picture, you know? The bigger picture yeah. is he's your buddy, and he's getting an offer. That's like, I'd take that offer too. And, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, it's like, a dream. And, I mean,
0: he f- he fits Baker so well.
1: Yeah, like, yeah. He's
0: perfect for Baker. Yeah. But so it's got to be bittersweet. You're like, dude, I want to see you, you know, get bigger and grow, but losing you is going to suck. So it's like having kind of mixed emotions i'm sure
1: yeah but like i said uh, the when the ben thing was a little rougher for me because it was my first experience with it yeah so i wasn't sure like i'm also a young man trying to like how am i how am i supposed to react to this how what's the appropriate way you know right um in retrospect it's just like yeah good i mean i'm so if anything i'm so grateful that like i had some part of in it you yeah. know what i mean of like being able to help them in their early days, you for know? sure. So I yeah, think it's, I think it's just great.
0: On. Do you talk to those guys ever? Um,
1: occasionally, yeah. Occasionally, I get um messages from, I don't know, it'll be random. Like I'll get messages from Ben or CJ, like like going down little memory lane stuff about ten thirty one or, right. you know, it's just stuff like that, you
0: know. Okay, throughout all <clears throat> the years, you've definitely been on the road with. Um, Preston,
1: yeah, I think you got at least one good peestone stone story for oh, us. Oh, man. So, oh, man. I just... When I think of Preston, man, I just... You can't help but smile, man. I just... So my, my favorite times with Preston were back when I was filming my Thrasher part for Gopher for Broke. Yeah. We filmed that part. I filmed it all with Preston. We filmed it all in Cleveland, and we filmed it all in like a week. I remember that. And it was so... I always love being around Preston. Like, I mean, anybody that's ever met Preston just knows what a jolly, positive God, you're like in the worst situation. It's yeah. always Preston to be like, just all of a sudden just pulls out like this positive something. Like, there's always something Come positive on. with Preston. We got this, no problem. Yeah, we got this. And um, I just say my favorite times were we were staying at my mom and dad's and just like him just hanging out with my mom and dad. Like, Really late at night or early in the morning, like I'd wake up and he's like already drinking coffee, talking with my parents. I'm <laughs> like, what <laughs> yeah, like, "What is abadabadoo?" Yeah, like what's <laughs> going on here, man? Like that's like my favorite stuff of just how much this guy like cu- catches me off guard of just like, "Dude, this dude's just like hanging out with my mom and dad." Like. I'm still in bed, and this guy's, like, hanging out with him, like, so uh, jolly. and He's doing the dishes.
0: Your mom's oh, telling yeah. him he doesn't have to. He's like, come on, stay seated. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you want more coffee? I got gotcha. you. Exactly.
1: Exactly.
0: <laughs> How often are you still skating a lot?
1: Uh, all the time. All yeah? All the time, yeah. See, I, <clears throat> I still skate as much. I mean, I try to make it a goal to skate every day oh damn it doesn't always work out that way i have two little girls now and i'm now i'm in an area where the weather is can be awful You're Right. Um. but i try to make it a point to skate every day and sometimes that means that i'm literally out front while my daughters are riding their scooters and bicycles and i'm just doing like flat ground sometimes that's what my skating is like for the day okay but yeah i still skate and i still try to i still try to push myself yeah, I still I still you got go for any it. cool local parks. Yeah, um, indoor, outdoor. There I I mean there's a, there's a bunch of little outdoor parks around here. Nothing to write home about. Um, but my favorite is actually this park my buddy designed. It's in Lakewood and it's the Lakewood Park and it's just he kind of designed it just like a little street plaza. Really, it's just a lot of banky banks, you know, banky banky type stuff, ledges, highway dividers, handrail hubbers, Sick. two little like three foot tall vert quarter pipes. Um, it's really kind of an odd little park, but it's nice because the way it's designed, it it me and my buddies that are like you know 40 and over we meet up there on Sunday mornings Mm -hmm. and it's nice because the way it like I said the way it's designed you kind of almost have to stop at one end of the park all the time so it creates an an environment where you can like chit chat and drink your coffee take a run hit some tricks come back chit chat take a sip of coffee you know so
0: it's kind of like bowling night yeah <laughs> yeah pretty much friends <laughs> get together and yeah. kind of socialize and do a few
1: fucking yeah slashes yeah and there's they have a brand new park uh, in Cleveland like right outside downtown that's it's okay like i've skated a few times but my go to always seems to be the lakewood park and i think it's it's really probably mainly just because it's you know that's where my buddies go the right. 40 and overs on sunday mornings and okay. it's, it's just a delightful experience you
0: <laughs> hated like an indoor bowl yesterday
1: oh my gosh yes so this this younger guy i know has he bought a house on the west side of cleveland for like seventy thousand dollars. i think he told me yeah it's crazy he's got a little one car garage he used to work for i could be wrong but there's a con a concrete skate park building company called like evergreen or something like that. yeah he used to work for them okay so he knows how to like pour concrete sure and all that. that and he and he works for a concrete company now a
0: lot of people out there are like
1: fuck evergreen grindliner dream oh, well, like, yeah i don't know anything about that <laughs> stuff i don't know so he has this little one car garage and he dug down into the ground and he's got a little mini bowl that fills up the entire one car garage, if you can imagine Sick. that, four feet deep in the deep end, two feet in the shallow. Wow! All um, self-poured pool coping. Yeah, pool coping. Oh, damn! And some brick in a corner, <laughs> and it's the tightest, <laughs> so littlest bowl. But it's so rad. Like, where are you going to find that? Yeah. It only exists in his I garage.
0: indoor places around here are fucking... If you find one, you're like, I need to be that guy's friend.
1: Yeah. Because <laughs> it's cold as shit right yeah, now. Yeah, there's a couple around... I don't really go to them because I don't. I'd rather I'd rather skate outside in the cold than be indoors. But there's a couple. There used to be some really good ones back in the '90s. Yeah, Chango World. The first ch- the first oh. Chango World was amazing. The first one. Remember I never, with all I the. I never loop-a-dos? went
0: there, but the, I saw videos of it obviously, and I always wanted to go. there. Oh yeah,
1: I used to skate there before it was even open. Like the
0: one used, in the warehouse with all the ramps yeah. that you just—it was yeah. like a pump track yeah. almost.
1: That was here. Fuck. Yeah. In the nineties it was the BMX guys that started it. Yeah, yeah. You used to go there on a Saturday night at like one in the morning and you'd have to knock on the door and they'd peek at you and be like, All right, you can come in. Yeah. And then we would skate like till four in the morning.
0: For some reason, the Think team, I used to work for Think before Thrasher. Yeah. They went there. Yeah. And for some reason I I Phil I don't Shaw remember, was there. Phil McKinney, a bunch of those guys, Jesse Pius, Idra Hobel probably. I yeah. didn't go for some reason. And they brought back the footage and I was like That looks like the raddest place I've ever seen. Yeah, I was there. Kind
1: of like a low ceiling, though. Yeah, low ceiling. Yeah, I was there. I remember when those guys came through. Oh, cool. Yeah, Yeah. I was here back then. How fucking rad! That place looked amazing. Yeah. So what other? What are you doing? Are you? Do you have a job out here, or you just Mr. Mom, or what? Yeah. Well, no. So I still do the skateboard thing, and then obviously I do that with. um, Well, I don't own it, but I ride for mike's mike valley's company uh, st- street, street plant, plant. yeah mm-hmm. so i ride for street plant and then uh my wife is a realtor and then my wife and i also started an appliance repair business about three years ago Oh, okay so um yeah we own a a little appliance repair business and that so i used to do we would do that in san diego and then we moved here and we just transferred everything over to here and
0: you guys we actually do, do the work, yeah, or, yeah.
1: Huh? Fix stuff. Actually, when I'm done like with refrigerators you,
0: refrigerators and
1: yeah, all your all your kitchen and laundry appliance needs. Gee, my microwave just went out. What do I do? Yeah. Why don't you buy a new one? They're cheaper than getting them yeah, repaired. Pretty much. <laughs> yeah. yeah. In fact, when I'm done doing this, I'm driving out to my buddy's house to help him fix his dryer. Oh, cool. Yeah. Did you go to school for that? No, I didn't. I uh, I got turned on to it from a a friend of a friend and. Um, I knew nothing about it really. I just was like 1031 was over. I was burnt out on doing my own skateboard company. I was riding for Mike with Street Plant, which has been just beautiful because riding for, you know, he's my best friend, so it's pretty much like do whatever you want, Seb Like I got you. I support you. You do whatever you want. So I was just like I was having a conversation. It was like New Year's Day on hanging out with some friends in the park and my friends are all um self-employed they all have their own businesses but with different backgrounds and i was like man i really wish i could get something going like outside of skateboarding like i just want to get something going that's like that the real world needs right? right like i don't care what it is like i just don't care i just want it to i want it to be so i can start my own business work as much or as little as i want travel when I want go on skateboard tours when I want go on band tours when I want that's and make the money that I that I want to make yeah yeah and one of the it was a friend of a friend he's just like you could do what I do and I was like what's that he's like I have my own appliance repair business and I was like what I was like, dude, <laughs> I don't do that. <laughs> I don't know the first thing about that. But we got to talk and I was like, dude, like he's telling me the money he makes, the hours he works. I was like, that sounds amazing. He's like, Yeah, I'm gonna drive around, stop at Starbucks, stop at the skate park, whatever. You can on call. Yeah, I yeah. do. My my wife answers the phones and like gets calls and <laughs> dude, I'll I'll go out and do some do some calls and meet up with my buddy for coffee, hit the skate park. My wife will call and be like, Hey, where are you at? You wanna go take this call? Hell yeah, you know, go jump over and make a couple hundred bucks. Damn. Hit the skate park. It's pretty sweet, man. I, I mean, I won't say that it's been easy because I, I knew nothing about this. And I literally jumped in this not knowing anything. I went and took on a full-time job a few years back in between skateboard tours. Okay. I went to this place by my house in, in out in California, and I walked in there. And um, they recognize me because I buy my appliances from them. Oh, they're like, "Yeah, you're the pro skateboard guy. What are you doing in here?" I was like, "I want to learn how to fix these things." They're like, "What?" I was like, "Yeah, man, I, I want to learn how to fix these." They're like, they just laughed, and I was willing to do it for free. Like, uh-huh. I wanted to learn how to do this right start my own business. Yeah, yeah. They're like, "Well," and I told them my deal. I was like, "Listen, I, I go on skateboard tours. I'm in a touring band. I tour with music." And I was like, "They're like, how about this? They're like, you got some like." We'll just hire you full time. We'll pay you uh-huh. and let's just work around your schedule. So I, I took on this job for like a, I don't know how many months. I don't know. It was like, it was maybe like three months or four months. It was in between tours. And then finally I, I had to go to like China and then somewhere else. And I, you know, I was like, Hey, I got to do this stuff. And I'm like, okay, well we can't let you do that. We understand you need to do that. Right. It was a mutual agreement with me doing this with them. And they're like, listen, if your pro skateboard career ever, like, dies down, we'd love to have you back or whatever. Because they were like, we can't let you go to China because then everyone in the company, if they want to go somewhere, we have to let them. We can't just let you, you, the special pro skateboard guy just come in and out when he wants. But I was was able to learn enough, Mm. you know, from that to be able to go and start my own business. So, wow. So, yeah.
0: How cool. Um. What do you feel how do you feel about them calling Cleveland the land? How long's that been going on? Yeah, I don't know. I don't call it is the land. Is that the hipster is it is that new stuff or has that been going on forever? It's some new stuff. Man. Okay. <laughs>
1: I don't know. I still haven't given into that. People are always referring <laughs> to to the land. I'm like, the land what do you I don't know, man. It wasn't the land when I left. (laughs) When I left, it was the steel mills were shut down. Everybody was out of work. Yeah. You get knives pulled out on you or guns pulled (sighs) on you skating downtown. Bone, um, bone, bone. Shout out to Bone Thugs in Harmony. Shout out. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know if it came with like the whole LeBron thing. I don't oh, know. probably.
0: LeBron ruins everything.
1: I, I will say I'm really happy for the city because I feel like the city is in such a better place than it was when I left in the 90s. I'm happy to see people have pride in the city. Yeah. Because when I left, there was no pride in the city. But I think what happened is like, I feel like my generation was, you know, the city when I left it, it was a different generation running the city right and the steel mill steel mills went bust and all that but now what you have is like my generation are now in their 40s and now they are in the position to you know they're opening restaurants they're opening up art things and they're they're being progressive about it and they're like hey you know what like we're from the city we love the city let's make it rad and right. I, and i really i'm blown away like i'm blown away I think the city is a million times better than it was when I left in the 90s, but I just because I'm just an old guy, I still refuse to call it the land. (laughs) I won't won't call it the land either. Yeah.
0: Well, we're looking out at Lake Erie. It's the shallowest lake up here, and this is my first trip up to Cleveland, so I think it's appropriate that you and I sat down. When I think of Cleveland, I think of you uh, in the skateboard world, and I appreciate that you don't live in Cleveland, and you took the time to drive out here from your, you know, your, what, 20, 30 minutes? So, yeah, yeah. I'm,
1: I'm about, like, yeah, I'm about 20 to 30 minutes outside the city. I'm out in the burbs. So. Well, I appreciate it. It's been yeah.
0: great catching up with you. Yeah. And I was thinking, since you are a music guy, if you have the rights to a song, you could uh, walk us out of here with an intro into one of the songs, and we can... Jam out,
1: to it. My old San Diego band, The Heartaches. You know what? There's a uh, a really good a song I like. We did called Kamikaze Love. Wait, wait. Before we get out, well, before we end it, I want to tell one story. I've been waiting to tell the story. Oh I think, shit! I think this you're, is the question I forgot to ask. I think you're the the appropriate person. I've been asked. I've been asked lately because with Jake dying. Yeah. And I think it's appropriate to share the story with you because you are very close with Jake. Right. And we were talking about this earlier. So since Jake's passed away, I've had a lot of different skateboard friends here in Cleveland ask me like, oh, did you know Jake and whatever, whatever. And I never was close to Jake. I didn't know Jake well. But I have a great story that I love sharing with people. Okay. Because, well, you know, like you were saying earlier, like, there, you know, he was, he was a rowdy guy that spoke his mind. Yeah. And maybe. Not everybody loved him. Not everybody loved the guy. So I've never I've never had a bad experience with Jake. Mm-hmm. But I also am kind of like the guy, like when anytime I was around, I observe people a lot. And I, you know, anytime there was a situation where I thought things were maybe getting kind of wild or whatever and Jake was there, I just kept my distance. So maybe that helped me to where I never personally had a bad run-in with him or anything like that. I've been around him times where it was wild. Sure. You know, but... Here's my favorite story. So I never kn- knew him really well on a personal level just around being skate- around skateboard stuff. But when we w- did that King of the Road yeah, back in, what was that, 2007? Yeah, 2007. Okay. So King of the Road. Oh, he
0: got in your van. Yeah,
1: he was in our van. So That's I was in right. the-, the Black Label van. Jake getting into our van, this was definitely going to be the first time I'm spending like a lot of time with Jake. P-Stones filming, <laughs> King of the Road. I'm like, oh, dude, this is going to be shit, man. My whole rule is I'm the sober guy. So if I'm going to be the sober guy, I always volunteer to drive. Right. And drive through the night, whatever it takes to get everyone. I just to get the team where we need to be safely. Sure. So my whole thing was so you guys rage, you guys party, pass out in the back. Don't worry about it. I'll get us to freaking Atlanta by the morning. So. I would jump in the driver's seat and drive like those long, like in the middle of the night, like four to six hour drives through the night, right? That
0: was back when King of the Road was way gnarlier. Like you would go east to west. Yeah. Now it's just like Oregon to San Diego. Back yeah. then it was like, and there was no HD. You had tapes. And, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Sorry, but yeah.
1: So everybody, you know, I'd get in the driver's seat and everybody would have been You know, either skating super hard all day, or they'd also have been partying, so that everyone was just wasted and burnt out. So, you look in the rear view mirror, and the the whole van is everyone's just passed out in the back. Jake, which would go just as hard as everybody, yeah, all day long. Always Jake would every night, he would come sit shotgun and next to me, and he would stay up with me all night long driving. Yeah, and would he DJ? Dude, we no, I I would DJ, because oh. I'm very adamant about if I'm driving, we're listening to my music. Okay, but he dug it. Like he grabbed, like he would go through my tapes or CD, whatever I had. Yeah, and he would play like my oh, like, oh let's play this, whatever. Okay. So not only I'm going, being in a van, I'm like oh man, how's this going to be being with Jake Phelps in a van for this King of the Road tour, right? Right. Now he's sitting shotgun with me, but m- him and I would have the best conversations all night long he would sit shotgun with me he'd stay up with me and we would talk about skateboarding and we'd talk about music all night long because Jake has a really good like far background in like old punk rock and east coast hardcore and stuff absolutely and man those memories of with Jake and having those conversations were just so great and Mm. he was so kind to me he was so Normal, you Mm -hmm. know what I mean, and uh, to to one point during one of the late night drives, I turned to Jake and I was like, I just straight out was just like, I was like, dude, I was like, what's your deal, man? He's like, what do you mean? And I was like, well, like you know, like every day, dude, like you're so you're wild, man. Like you're just so wild, but like every night, like you're so normal with me. Like when we drive, like when you sit shotgun. And I can't remember his his answer verbatim, but it was something to the effect of like, well, you know, I just have different sides to my personality or something like that. And yeah, i have yeah. different ways with different people or at different times or whatever. Yeah. And, you know, I remember like having such a great night driving with him, talking about old his old stories of like, you know, hardcore shows and my stories and music <sighs> and all this stuff. Yeah. And not to mention That guy's got, like, a photographic memory. Yeah. He was calling out photos of me. Oh, yeah. He's like, I know, Thrasher, issue number whatever, January, you know, 2004, page number, blah, 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 you were doing this. He was calling out stuff I don't even remember about my own photos in Thrasher. Yeah, for sure. I was blown away, and I told him that too. I was like, dude, you have, like, a photographic memory. I've seen it a million times. And, you know, I said to him, I was just like you're one of those people like you have a photographic memory and it drives you crazy. I was like, it just drives you crazy.
0: Blessing and a curse. He would always say it.
1: Yeah. And, um, I fully like just, so anyways, we had this, this great, so many great conversations driving the middle of the night. And then I remember like, it was like one of the last days. It was like the next morning, everybody's up in the hotel and my connection with him, it it wasn't there. You know what I mean? Because every all the boys were up. Oh. It was back on, and it was yeah. back to, like, wild time. And I just sure. remember, like, I was like, oh, man. I've, I was almost bummed because I was like, oh, man, like, no more late-night drives with Jake, you know?
0: Well, the thing with Jake is I think that it was pick your windows and enjoy them. But it's a window because he wanted to – experience everybody yeah you know he had his favorites obviously we all do but i think honestly from going on so many trips with him that when you were on a trip with him it was like a crew yeah and like he might have a guy or two in there he's not particularly stoked on right but we're all on a mission and we are all doing it together Mm -hmm. and that will live with us forever. If you don't go home early and you make it to the end of this trip, we'll have that bond for the rest of our life and we'll share that and I'll always remember you. I'll never forget that. You had my back, I got your back, all that kind of shit. He really came from that mentality and it was so sick to see like, like maybe you and him won't get along on a regular day. Yeah. But if you went on in the van and went on the trip with them, yeah. you might have the best experience of your life. Yeah. And he might too. Yeah. Because it's cliche and everyone said it a million times, but he said it. And so I'll repeat it. He was a fan of skateboarding yeah. fan is short for fanatic. Yeah. And he was a skateboard fanatic. And so if we're all doing this for the love of skateboarding, but if the, the, the real quick on that same trip that you're talking about, the king of the road, so Jake and I flew to Milwaukee. We got all the people for the um the, the guests to join their teams in Milwaukee. It was the midway point. And then Jake and I were to fly home. But Jake was like, fuck this. I'm going to jump in the van and and drive back. I want to see some of this shit. shit. Like, dude, fucking live skateboarding. This, like, if there was room, he's jumping in, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I flew home alone. But when I got back and you guys at the finish line, I see everybody. I think Preston, I forget who it was. Somebody told me that you guys, one of the challenges was to go to Pike's Peak. Oh my and God. And the van was so heavy that the brakes went out on yeah. the way back down and it was real yeah. scary apparently. Yes.
1: the brakes were burning up. It was awful. And I remember Jake and Chet just Burnett wasn't there, but I think Burnett that was one of Burnett's things he and came they with. They were pissed at Burnett. they were like <laughs> kickflip on Pikes Peak. Are you trying to kill us, dude? I feel <laughs> like they even call, I think they even like called, called Burnett and were like have, bitching him out. Yeah, like so mad. They were so <laughs> mad at Burnett, dude. I one more quick story. Sure. Yet. This is and this is like a funny story. We were at a spot I think it I think it was in Arizona or whatever, but Shuriken did. A trick, Sharik and Shannon did an awesome trick. I don't remember what it was. It was an Indian ditch, yeah. Where he threw the the apple. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) How does that happen? (laughs) So, Sharik and Shannon does this awesome trick at the ditch. He lands. We're all cheering. (laughs) shuriken's like riding away or something and jake's so excited he throws his apple into the sky yeah <laughs> he throws it and it somehow <laughs> lands and it hits shuriken right in the head <laughs> like i mean he didn't he didn't aim for shuriken no he, he's just lofted it way high in the air and it comes down right on shuriken's head and just explodes oh. and shuriken's like in shock jake is in shock and i remember he was just apologizing he felt so bad like how did like, I just nail I the dude that. that just did the sickest trick I just nailed him in the head with an apple
0: <laughs> and it partially might be on video pista might have captured that I, yeah I don't know if it's because I know I heard the story and I might have seen
1: part of it somehow or
0: something yeah shout out to sherikn though shout out
1: uh, yeah I don't I don't know if like I remember it so well because I was there or if I remember seeing it in a video again but But anyways, yeah, the whole, that, you know, with Jake, yeah, it's just like I never, I just wanted to share that story. um, Appreciate that. Yeah, he's
0: gonna, there's never gonna be another Felper, and I'm not gonna be able to live without, like, I'm gonna remember him every fucking day. Yeah. I, I have 30 years with that dude, spent a lot of time with him, so it's gonna be interesting, especially this next year, how things are gonna be, but we're gonna carry the torch, and we're gonna keep doing what we
1: do, so yeah
0: all right well you want to fucking take us out of here with uh
1: um heart heartaches the heartaches. yeah this song is called kamikaze love um by an old band i was in for i don't know 12 13 14 years in san diego called the heartaches and we out of here this has
0: been talking
1: schmidt uh christian svitaq
0: joined us really appreciate his time and appreciate you guys supporting the show and listening. If you can do me that favor, please hit the review, and uh, that helps the show populate and more people find out about it and all that good stuff. All right. This is it. Peace out, y'all. Thanks, Christian.
1: Yeah, thank you, man. Cheers.
0: All right. Enjoy this episode. And if you did, please subscribe now on Anchor, iTunes, or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you like this show, one of the best ways to show some love is to write up a review. I always appreciate to hear your thoughts, and detailed reviews are the best way for people to discover us. Also, a big shout out to our executive director, Cheryl Camisa. Shout out. Love it.